Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning radio broadcast in our 17th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. And good evening, I'm William Hosea. Her bio begins with three simple sentences. I am Indiana. You are Indiana. Together we are Indiana. And this is how Hanifa Kalik introduces herself as a candidate for the United States Senate. A longtime Hoosier, she was born and raised in the Hyde Park area of Illinois. She and her parents relocated to the suburbs of Illinois and then Michigan and Georgia. She then eventually returned to Indiana in 2000 and went, to, and went on to attend Indiana University, Purdue University in Indianapolis. Later, she became a public school teacher and taught science in public, private, and charter schools. In 2014, she returned to school to fulfill a lifelong dream of becoming a lawyer. Upon graduating from Valparaiso University School of Law, she is now the executive director and presiding officer for Civil Rights Agency and Human Relations Commission. Anifa is also an ADA Title VI coordinator and currently an adjunct professor at Indiana University. Natalia Galvan, originally from Chicago, but now very much a Hoosier after leaving Bloomington after undergrad, she returned in August 2017 to volunteer in Liz Watson's Indiana's ninth congressional race, along with assisting candidates in some other state and local races. She is now very committed to working on progressive issues and Democratic State House races in all corners of Indiana, primarily focused on helping to educate candidates statewide and traditionally red districts. Natalia was elected and serves as the, as the chair of the Indiana ninth congressional district Latino caucus, and she engages with all 13 counties, counties in that district. In order to best advocate for Latinx issues, as well as organizing and assisting with voter registration drives, she does extensive outreach on collegiate campuses. She also serves on the executive board as secretary of Monroe County National Organization for Women and was recently appointed as a vice precinct committee person in Monroe County. She is a member of the Democratic Women's Caucus, Indiana Coalition for Public Education, and is a proud court-appointed special advocate in Monroe County. She is a sales executive for Smithfield in Evansville, Indiana. Now, the service that these two women render can best be summed up by a quote from beloved children's author, Dr. Seuss, that is prominent on Natalia's website. And it reads, unless someone like you cares a whole awful lot, nothing is going to get better. It's not. Anifa and Natalia, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you. Impressive resume, huh, Clarence? Well, these two ladies can, can, they ought to run for top offices in our country. I'll just leave it there. And uh, let me go back. Is talking about impressive resumes, Hanifa, as I read through yours, I saw that you have a prominent role as an ADA and Title VI coordinator. What does that all involve? Yeah, so in addition to enforcing the civil rights uh, law, the Civil Rights Act of 1964 as amended, it is also my additional duty 
uh, to enforce the Americans with Disabilities Act and also Title VI. Now, the ADA, of course, has to do uh, with individuals in the community as well as visitors uh, who are, uh, you know, may come to the city and, you know, they have accessibility issues. I'm there to make sure that everybody's treated fairly. The city of Gary has about uh, 74,000 residents in it. And of course, we have visitors coming in and out. And so it is just my duty to make sure that uh, if there is an issue somewhere, that there is an agency to take in that complaint and a coordinator to follow up. In addition to Title VI, uh, which is, uh, for example, when a patron or an individual uh, maybe, file, maybe files for some sort of government assistance or a government program, maybe they feel they've been uh, discriminated against with respect to that. They also come to my office. Uh, and so I am used to being in a position where I am serving uh, you know, vulnerable communities, communities that are <clears throat> particularly or maybe low income uh, and maybe they cannot afford an attorney. This is a free service that's provided by the local government, uh, well, via through the federal government. Now, uh, Anif, I have a follow-up question. And I, I know that uh, in your heart, you're a politician. I'm going to ask you to use your political voice as we interview you tonight. Uh, just... You're standing in a in a crowded auditorium and people are on the edge of their seat and you're just giving them not red meat, but things they need, a good full diet of, of issues and answers and solutions. Um, you know, but I go back to your to your uh, resume, your profile. You, you've taken a winding road to Indiana. Can, can you share a little bit about your path back to Indiana, as the Jacksons would say? Sure, absolutely. So as a kid, uh, of course, I am originally from Chicago as well. Uh, and uh, when I was just a young girl, uh, my mom remarried and we relocated to Northwest Indiana uh, about a little bit over 20 years ago. And so uh, from Illinois, we went to Michigan, we went to Georgia, and we eventually settled back in Northwest uh, Indiana. Uh, because my parents uh, reformed their relationship. And so I found myself graduating from Lake Central High School, which is in St. John, Indiana. And that was in the year 2001. It's so hard to believe that was over 20 years ago. As a matter of fact, we just had our uh, high school, 20-year high school reunion. That was interesting. I walked into the room and couldn't recognize a single person, not a single person. Uh, but that was all right. It was still an enjoyable evening. <laughs> we still had a good time. And uh, yeah, it's hard to believe it's been that long. But I'm here back in the, in the Hoosier State, been here, uh, like I say, for over uh, 20 years now. And now I am seeking to represent uh, Hoosiers uh, on the Senate level. So here we go. Before I turn it over to William, I will say I, I would have guessed five-year reunion. I, I would not have said 20-year reunion. So. On that note, William, take it away. <laughs> okay. Help me out. Help me out. Get me out of here. Yeah, let, let, let me take it away. Uh, Natalia, yeah. you have a lot going on uh, in Bloomington. You're no stranger to the community, but it's always good to reintroduce you. Uh, why don't you bring us up to date on, on what you're involved in right now? What's on the immediate, immediate horizon? 
Yeah, so there have been a, a couple of changes um, to my bio um, that uh, that you read, but but only good ones, right? So uh, now I serve uh, as a precinct chair for Monroe County, but I also serve or Mon- Monroe County Democratic Party, but I also serve on the state central committee. So I was appointed to that, or I was elected to that by my caucus, the statewide Latino Democratic Caucus in July. And so what that means is that um, that's the governing board basically for the Democratic Party um, in Indiana, right? So that's a that caucus is represented by districts and uh, other caucuses like Stonewall, IDAC, uh, doing the work around the state. Um, but so we're keeping busy, right? So uh, in 2021 this year, we had reorganization. So that meant that um, the county chairs got reelected, our district leadership got reelected. We live in the ninth district, which is used, well, it is 13 counties um, in the past decade, and now it's going to be 12, but it's going to look a little bit different. So uh, we have that. And then uh, we had, we uh, just elected Mike Schmuel. So he's our new state party chair for the Democratic Party. So along with that, uh, we got that done earlier this year. And now we're just organizing, right? We're ramping up. Um, Our primaries come in uh, May of 2020. And so we're excited about that. Um, We're seeing, uh, you know, here in Monroe County, play for the primaries, right? So we're going to see the county races, the, the district races, um, yeah, like District 1, 2, 3, and 4, kind of upper re-election sheriff, uh, recorder, auditor. Uh, we're going to see that. And then we're going to see our uh, Indiana 9 congressional rep up. And so I'm just excited to see what's going to, what uh, I'm excited to see uh, that time come, but I'm we're doing the work for it right now. So, And in the work that you do, and uh, Hanifa's race for the U.S. Senate, where do you foresee your paths uh, crossing? That's a great question. So uh, right now, um, we have, I think, three file candidates, and uh, she can correct me if I'm wrong about that, uh, for Senate. Um, and so we, you know, it's it, we kind of see uh, what candidates need from the different districts, right? So uh, I was lucky enough to meet this dean candidate um, at the Monroe County Fair doing the work, right? Just, just the simple things, right? So uh, it was um, myself, uh, Matt Fife was there. He's one of our candidates for uh, Indiana 9 Democratic um, House, one of our House candidates, um, uh, local city council uh, member, Isabel Piedmont-Smith, myself, and we were all tabling together at that Monroe County Fair, that really hot Wednesday night, oh, right, uh, right around 4th of July. And, and that's where we meet our candidates, right, doing the work like that. Um, the non glamorous work of being in a, you know, uh, in a very hot tent on um, fair day, and talking to voters, talking to voters, talking to uh, community members, um, you know, uh, talking about platforms and seeing where the need is and how we can help amplify our candidates in the ways that they need to be, uh, they need to be helped. Um, Natalia, I just have a follow-up question and then I have a question for Hanifa. Um, Now you mentioned that you're one of two voting members for the Latino Democratic Caucus on Indiana's Democratic Party State Central Committee. What crucial votes have you had to take on so far or we had to render vote for so far? So I, probably the biggest one, uh, and the biggest one you take in the four years is party chair. So uh, actually I was a proxy for that one. I was elected to be, um, so we split a vote. Uh, George Hornado and I, um, he is uh, part of our uh, Indiana Latino Democratic Caucus leadership in Indianapolis. 
So he is the male voting member and I'm a female voting member um, for uh, the caucus. And um, our most important one to date, I was a proxy for that when I got elected in July, uh, was our um, state organization a chair vote, right? And some of our leadership positions. That was probably uh, the biggest vote that we've taken to date um, because that determines the future for our party for the next four years, right? So we're, we're voting on somebody um, who is going to guide us for the next four years. And, and you're going to see how important um, that uh, person and their vision and their leadership is especially for the statewide races, uh, like uh, like Senate. Well, my next question um, is going to take us beyond the, our, our ID time slot. So I'll, I'll go ahead and do the ID right now. If you've just tuned in to bring it on, we're having a discussion with Hanifa Khalik, candidate for United States Senate, and Natalia Gal- Galvin, chair of the Indiana 9th Congressional District Latino Caucus, and they're joining us to talk about upcoming political races and current event issues of importance for our listening audience. And now, Hanif, I turn back to you. And, and on your webpage, you, you issue a, a promise statement. And your promise statement, in, in, in essence, says you promise to represent a difference for Hoosiers and that your representation will reflect the voice of the community. And how will you go about achieving that is my question. And and give us a little bit of history as to why you would say you want to represent a difference for Hoosiers so the status quo has not been acceptable. But tell us a little bit about why you grasp that as your promise statement. Well, certainly, uh, Clarence, and thank you so much uh, for the question. You know, one of the issues that we have here, uh, one of the issues that we have here, I think, as Hoosiers is being of our voices being accurately represented in our United States Congress, but um, also in our state legislature as well. (laughs) Uh, It goes without saying. Uh, But when I made that statement of making a difference, what I mean by that uh, is doing the basic duties that come with being a senator. Like Natalia mentioned, being out in the community and talking to people firsthand, putting yourself in a position where you're able to introduce yourself to Hoosiers and constituents and take their concerns, not from someone else, but from right out of their mouths. What are some things that are important to them? What are their struggles? And how about just being able to look your constituents in the eye? and tell, uh, you know, if they're doing good or not. That's what's missing. You know, our two U.S. senators, between the both of them, you can count the times on a single hand that they held a town hall. And the town halls that were free and open to the public are pretty much non-existent. And that's because they pre-select their audience through ticket purchasing, And they also pre-select questions that may come from that pre-selected audience. We must re-establish trust in Hoosiers and the American people. And the only way to do that is by conducting town halls that are free and open to the public. Now that's one of the differences that I plan to make. The other difference that I plan to make is adding a level of transparency that folks have not seen before. So my plan uh, in order to optimize that or to make that a reality 
is going to be to work with our experts, our Hoosier experts in the IT department to put together systems where Hoosiers can pull up on their phone or on their laptop or on their computer where their legislator is in the legislative process. Now, you're not going to hear that from any other candidate because, for one, they don't know what I'm talking about. And number two, they wouldn't know how to implement it. So that is that part is going to be important because people are going to have a level of convenience to be able to see what I'm working on, what bills are on my desk, what am I reading, where's their item in the queue. Okay, so this is a new type of legislator that we're, we're looking at when it comes to this campaign. Uh, listen, I'm only running for all of the things that I want to see. I'm not running for any other reason uh, than to give the people what they deserve. Because I think when you're making close to $200,000 a year and you have a $1.5 million congressional budget and both of those things is being paid for by you and I, taxpayers, then we deserve to see whoever's getting that money. And they can make their rounds. What we have right now is one senator who doesn't even make any, any attempt, and the other one says that he does do these things, and he doesn't. And I know that for a fact, because there's no proof you've been to 92 counties. When have you been to Lake County? I'm sitting right here. When have you been here? You said that I've been to all 92 counties. Give me a break. You've not been to Lake County because if you were, where did you go? Where did you go? When did you get there? Because I live in Lake County and I'm running for United States Senate. And I guarantee you, if you say you're going to be in the town, <laughs> I'm going to be there. Well spoken, well said, well stated. Um, and what is your prescription for the current gridlock? And the Senate. So what we have going on now, uh, with, I'm assuming you mean the infrastructure. Package. Yes, that, well, that plus uh, there are a lot of bills sitting on one in individual's desk that have not gotten any attention. Now, now that's a whole 90 minute plus show. We know, we know who that is. And, um, you know, it's, it's we're getting to the, cra well, no, we're not getting to the craziness of who actually won the presidential election, but say on some glorious day when everybody will agree that the, per the person occupying uh, 1600 Pennsylvania is, is duly elected. What is your prescription for remedying all the gridlock that seems to be going on in the Senate? Well, I think one of the uh, reasons that we continue to face that gridlock is because we keep on dealing with the same old individuals. And I'm sorry to say it uh, like that, but we keep on dealing with the same persons who sit and basically obstruct uh, these bills from going through being discussed or being passed. And I think that we've seen this uh, throughout the course of our lives and we know who these individuals are. I'm not saying that they're not doing their job. I'm just saying that, you know, when you've been somewhere for so long, you have a tendency to think that the process belongs to you. And it does not belong to you. It belongs to the people. And so that's why we've got to have people uh, registered to vote. We've got to have people who understand that they control the process uh, and we've got to remind people of this so they can get out and change their vote if they want to change their vote. They want to keep it the same time. But you know what I also think is maybe the remedy? Term limits. we got to have yep. our, uh, term limits. 
And you will see that I have signed on to that pact uh, because I think if you haven't done what you want to do in 18 years, <laughs> are you kidding me? All right. So, you know, uh, I think that upon my election, if and when Hoosiers decide that they want to have me as their representative, I think one thing that you're going to see me deal with a lot is uh, you're going to see a lot of perseverance with, when it comes to me, because I know what I'm dealing with. I know where, I'm, where I am. I know who I'm dealing with. I know their personalities. I know their voting records. I know all the stuff that they do. I've been watching them over the course of my life. <laughs> Um, and so what you're going to see from me is a lot of perseverance, a lot of, of uh, pressure that I may add to the process uh, and uh, setting forth in my efforts to uh, represent Hoosiers, uh, to represent the Hoosier State. I'm going to uh, go to Natalia with this next question, but afterwards, uh, Hanifa, I would like you to come back and answer the same question. I was reading an article um, and your primary opponent, Thomas McDermott, got top billing. Big full page picture in the article. And uh, and then down towards maybe the very last line, Hanifa Kalik gets honorable mention. So my, my question is, um, Natalia, do you think women of color are excluded from media coverage? And we could even extend that to party support. What, what are your thoughts on that? And then, Kanif, I'd like for you to come back and comment on that as well. Oh, 100%. Right, 100%. We, uh, we definitely have to work. Um, I, don't, you, I don't know if you want to put a number on it, 20, 30, 50, 100 times harder um, to, uh, to do what, um, what our counterparts have to do. Uh, definitely. And I think one of the hardest, um, one of the hardest lessons, because I'm, I'll be very honest, I am um, a, a post-Trump coming to the party, seeing the vision and everything. Um, I, I used to be very involved with nonprofits and uh, with work and just a million other things, right? Whatever life kind of has to do. But I got involved after uh, 2016 and I'm like, I, I have to participate right and uh and and you come in with a lot of ideas and um a lot of hope and just a lot of um energy and and then uh you start seeing that sometimes um the most the sometimes the toughest barriers or the most significant obstacles are from your own party right and then coming to the realization that not all these democratic structures are meant for you even if you have a even if you have a D next to your name, uh, we see that um, that not not everything is made for you. Um, it it and it it's it's a bitter pill to swallow. So uh, I'm happy that you mentioned it because um, this um, I am part. I'm so lucky to be part of uh, Power of the Black and Brown Vote. We are the ones we've been waiting for. And uh, by the time this airs, it will be available on Facebook Live on the Monroe County Democratic Party. But we have an amazing panel of uh, leaders from all around the state, uh, from the Latino um, Caucus, from IDAC, from um, just the Democratic Party, and talking about um, the struggles that they face, not only within the community, but within our own party, right? And, with, um, and seeing how uh, what their journeys were like and continue to be um, getting out the message and even deciding to run for office. So 
uh, I will take a step back because I, uh, my, my vision has always been within the party, right? How do we make the party better? So that when we have amazing candidates, like I'm on the panel with, right, that we have created an infrastructure to support these candidates win. And that that's, that's where that's my sweet spot, right? It's the bitter pill is understanding that the structure that we have in place doesn't amplify everybody. And I'm sure we, uh, we will hear about that now because uh, William, you're hundred percent right with that article. And it's, it's, it's important to add, you have a panel of, of young people uh, representing the uh, power of the black and brown vote this coming Saturday. Uh, let me put in a plug because I'm involved in it. Yeah. This coming Saturday from two to 4 PM. And it's going to be on uh, the Demo- the County Democratic Party Facebook page, right? It is, and uh, there's a Zoom link. So if this is airing on Monday, though, it'll be uh, recorded uh, on the Facebook page so people can go back and watch okay. in posterity. Over to you, Hanifa. Well, first of all, uh, again, thank you for the question. And Natalia, I just want to commend you uh, for everything that you are doing in the community. You are on the front lines. And Natalia's response reflects her uh you know, what she has experienced and seen, and I concur. Uh, it is extremely uh, difficult, and there are several, there are so many different barriers, you know, there's the being black and brown, there's being a woman, there's having a name that nobody can seem to pronounce, or it takes a minute for them to, you know, get that up, and what does that mean? What is her ethnic background? Do I connect with that? You know, there's so many other um, there's so many things, you know, that uh, uh, people are looking at uh, that can sometimes be a distraction from what is most important about a candidate. And I saw the article, you know, uh, that you're speaking about there, William. And I just, um, you know, for me, I feel like there is a machine that is operating here. I commend the reporters and the individuals who uh, uh you know, uh, published an additional article that, you know, gave, you know, talk about some portions of my speech that were relevant and important, you know, to the people uh, that were there. Uh, That was not uh, the only article that was produced, thank goodness. There are some good reporters out there who want their people to know uh, exactly what the facts were. They're not uh, biased in their reporting or leaning to one side or the other. They just want to make sure that the information is given to the people in the best possible way. And I continue to support that type of reporting. And I think even as a senator uh, or as an elected official, again, if and when Hoosiers allow me to take on that role, I will continue to commend reporters and individuals who are non-biased in their reporting, not obviously leaning to one side or the other, just given the facts as they are because there is an oath and a promise that reporters and journalists and individuals in that profession uh, make, uh, as we know, uh, all of them don't hold up to that. And so those are the, uh, the, the, the publishings that will begin to lose their credibility. And as a matter of fact, you'll probably notice that they don't receive many awards. And that is because there's someone else watching and reading and they can see the same things that we see and they do not uh, uh, pay any attention uh, to these uh, individuals. 
you know, I'm living in a place right now where my very own newspaper uh, would not report uh, the news of my candidacy or what it was, uh, you know, that I was working on for the past two years. You know, so whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, you you just you keep going. You you don't allow you when I when you know what you're fighting for and you know that you're already making a difference. These individuals uh, are not on anybody's radar and not many people read their material in the first place. And again, that's because they are known for, uh, they have a reputation, you know, for this, this pattern of behavior. And so we ignore it and we keep moving because people will know uh, that there are three candidates who are running for this seat and they will be able to choose which ones who they believe uh, is viable and strong enough to take on the role. And they will not make that decision based on a biased or uh, leaning to one side or the other uh, news report. Listen, when people want the truth or they want something different or they, they want to know more about something, you know what they do? They look into it for themselves and they make an opinion and form an, a, a conclusion based on talking to their friends, their family, their relatives, looking online and doing their own searches anyway. So it wouldn't matter to me if it was the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, uh, Northwest Indiana Times. It wouldn't matter to me a hill of beans what they said or didn't say because the people will make their own decision. And that's what I'm happy about at the end of the day. People aren't told uh, people don't think what they're told to think. They look into what they're told to think, and then they respond. So I'm, I have full faith in Hoosiers and the American people to make their own decision about me and this campaign. Well, the, the voice you just heard was Anifa Kalik, not responding from the well of the Senate, but she is a candidate for the U.S. Uh, United States Senate. And also we're talking with Natalia Galvin, chair of the Indiana 9th Congressional District Latino Caucus, and they're joining us to talk about political races and current event issues of importance for our listening audience. And on that note, I want to get to some issues. Um, Hanifa, on your website, you have developed, at the time that this was, was crafted, you have developed policies on 33 national issues, and I imagine that number has increased, uh, 33 national issues ranging from reproductive rights to war. And can you share with our listeners what your top three issues are? And before we went live, I, I did hear you and Natalia commenting on a reproductive uh, conference or, or rally that you both attended. But can you give us your top three uh, issues that you'll be advancing if you're successful in becoming a senator of the United States? Absolutely. Uh, and thank you so much for that question. So there are... Uh, three top issues that this campaign has and will be focusing on, civil rights, education, and poverty. Now, as you mentioned, Clarence, there are 33 national policies and agendas that I have. Uh, and within, uh, you know, these 33 are the civil rights uh, policy and agenda, the education policy and agenda, and the poverty policy and agenda. And anyone who's listening can go to my website, hanifakalik.org, 
and you'll be able to click on issues and really read in depth, uh, you know, not just one sentence or two, which is what we typically get from candidates. They have no idea what legislation they intend to co-sponsor or create. Uh, you will see that for all of those issues, I have plans about creating legislation and also what type of legislation I intend to co-sponsor. Additionally, I will be putting together committees for these 33 national policies and agendas so that they can help me as I am moving along in the Senate uh, with what legislation may come up that I can support or where there are uh, areas of uh, room for improvement where I can create uh, the, the policy. So those are my top three issues uh, that I'll be focusing on it. I'm sure you see my background in there too because uh, you know, with respect to civil rights, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm running the civil rights agency, education. I'm a former public school teacher uh, in there. And of course, poverty, because it encompasses these things. You know, I am used to working with vulnerable individuals who consider themselves a part of a vulnerable population, which would include individuals who are low income, perhaps individuals who are part of our differently able community, individuals who consider themselves LGBTQ, uh, part of the LGBTQ plus uh, community and family. You know, I am committed to seeing permanent rights for these individuals in housing and employment. I don't care who you decide to love, you deserve to have a place to work and a place to live, and you deserve to uh, be treated with fairness in those places. And until I see, well, well, let me just say, I don't see any alternative fund being set up by the government to support these individuals. All right, so they need a job and housing just like everybody else, and it needs to be given to them right now. So you're going to find that I'm one of the more progressive candidates this state has ever seen because I believe in uh, equal rights. I believe in climate change. I believe in women's rights. And I am not afraid or shy about fighting for them at all. Um, as a follow-up to that, there's uh, legislation that has sort of been stalled in the Senate. Uh, and, and there are dynamics going on in the Senate right now with two particular senators who can't seem to figure out what party they're representing. But nevertheless, we won't we won't settle that tonight. But Build Back Better is stalled for right now. And But then within the party, the progressives have some input on that. And I, I imagine that will be shaping and morphing into something more palatable for both sides. And then, of course, voting legislation, um, which that has been stalled and slow walked. It's not dead on arrival, but it's been stalled. And in and, and the words of one who used to say, uh, make good trouble, um, what do you intend to do if elected or if, while on the campaign trail to raise the awareness of, hey, uh, there's a change a coming and there will be a new voice that will represent your voice. So what is it that you will say and do? Absolutely. Uh, I intend to work extremely hard to carry on the legacy of John Lewis, and no one should uh, have any doubt about that at all with respect to voting rights. Uh, I'm hearing this uh, coming up again. I would have supported the For the People Act, H.R. 1, uh, and, and legislation like it. Because, you know, I believe in same-day voter registration. I believe in automatic voter registration. I believe in adding as, much as many individuals as possible to that voting uh, group because the issues affect everybody in this country, uh, no matter if you register to vote or not. We want as many people that can vote voting. 
I do not understand uh, the think tank behind folks across the aisle uh, with respect to not making sure that individuals are part of the voting process. Um, among the key things that HR1 uh, is wanting to do, expanding access to the ballot box by taking aim at key institutional barriers to voting, creating that automatic voter registration system, uh, promising that American elections will be decided by American voters without interference from foreign entities. Why wouldn't you want that? This is HR1 that I'm talking about, the For the People Act, something, some legislation I would have supported. Shining a light on dark money and politics? Yeah, let's do it. What's the problem? What is there that folks who don't want this, well, they got to be hiding something. That's what it is, I think. Uh, leveling the political playing field for everyday Americans, empowering individuals with a multiple matching system for small donations. Yeah, that's getting rid of the money in politics, which is high time. Yeah, we want more average Americans running for office because they're the ones who are closest to their own politics. I'm in my local community. I know what's going on there. I'm running the civil rights agency. I'm a lawyer. I know exactly what's going on. I should run for office because I know what problems they're dealing with. I hear them every day. I'm experiencing them myself. <laughs> okay, so, you know, uh, with respect to that, what folks can expect from me? Oh yes, when it comes to voting rights, I am going to definitely be on it and providing uh, some, some good trouble. <laughs> okay then. So Natalia, you... Uh... Her and Hanifa said she was going to be putting together all these committees, which means you can anticipate a phone call. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking yeah. forward to it. So, Natalia, I wanted to uh, ask you, in your work uh, that you do on the state level and the local level, what is the most pressing issue for Democrats uh, in the state? And, and is, there any, uh, is there any similarities between those those hot button issues at the state level and at the local level, does that make sense? Yeah. Oh no, for sure, for sure. So um, there, there's a lot to do, right? So I think is it like how the state issues are aligning locally and yes. uh, or national issues and all how how we all intermingle these issues? Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah. No. So that definitely that definitely makes sense. Um, and I will actually give, uh, take just a, a brief moment of privilege to thank William here. Um, so this past Monday, um, our Latino Democratic Caucus was proud to co-sponsor our first ever a state of the Latino community, right, with the commission of uh, Hispanic and Latino Affairs City of Bloomington, um, La Casa, um, and um, the city's uh, department um, under Beverly Calendar Anderson of Community um, and Family. Uh, uh, Clarence, can you give me the correct title? Because I certainly don't want to, to butcher it. Community, Community and Family, family resources. resources. Perfect. Yes, thank yeah. you. She, she told I us don't well. Wanna, yes, they, um, so uh, with Beverly and Josefa, 
you know, uh, doing just such amazing work right in our Bloomington community. And so um, that that's one of the things that we look at. Right. So how do um, how do the issues uh, face us at, at the state level? And then how do they face the local level? So many times it, and, and I understand being a relatively, you know, new uh, volunteer since 2017 to the party, right? Conflating how um, state issues and local issues are not uh, sometimes the same issues, right? I remember um, having a walk with, uh, back when I was vice precinct chair um, in um, an area not far from here, right? And I was walking with the lady. She was so angry that she saw uh, guns around uh, the Monroe County uh, courthouse or, or um, the um, the courthouse building in the middle of the square, right? Uh, right on Kirkwood. And she's like, can't anyone stop that? Why can't city council do something about it, right? And it's confusing, right? Because city council has no power over that. That's 100% a state issue. And it's trying to, to it's trying to um, separate what's a state issue and what's a local issue. Because a lot of times it's confusing. And sometimes they think it's confusing on purpose, right? It's like everybody kind of wants to pass the blame around. Um, and uh, and really, there's just a lot of work to do. So this past Monday, we had our first ever state of Latino community modeled um, after I call him like the godfather, uh, William Hosea and his work with state of the the black community and just amazing uh, data. And um, he's done four of them. And we just did our first one this past Monday. And we had great turnout. We were so excited. The mayor came, um, Deputy Mayor Griffin, uh, uh, Council President Sims, as well, Piedmont Smith, just amazing elected leaders, Matt Pierce, Jelly Yoder. Um, we just had amazing support. Uh, Peter Iverson, I'm going to forget people, so I shouldn't name drop, but we had such a great um, support from our elected officials to hear about um, topics like education, labor rights, and healthcare, right? Because there is a lot we can do on the local level. So just to give an example, um, we had the reproductive uh, justice rally coming up in, or uh, sorry, that just passed um, about a week and a half, I think October 2nd or 3rd. Uh, all my dates are uh, running together because this has been uh, Latino Hispanic Heritage Month starting from September 15th to October 15th. I have one more event on Saturday and uh, it's just been kind of like a whirlwind, which is great. It's great to have programming and engage our community. I just kind of get my dates kind of mixed up sometimes. But um, with those reproductive, um, the reproductive justice rally, right? The students led that. And so uh, we have seen that in Texas, right? So that's a national issue, but we we can see this coming to Indiana, right? Our state legislator reconvenes soon. And uh, we know that um, Senator Brown up in the Fort Wayne area, she has her sights set on uh, writing a bill to uh, bring that, uh, bring bring uh, some really harmful um, legislation that uh, really threatens the rights of Hoosier women, right? And so or Hoosier or uh, any uh, body with reproductive organs will be uh, could be potentially impacted so we're going to see how that shakes out um but uh i think that um my um my um, what i've learned from it is that we have to be ready to organize right we have to be ready to organize around um uh, issues when that happens and we saw kind of statewide rallies all over and it's like how do we bring everyone together um, to be ready for that when it happens, uh, we are in a bad spot, right? I just very honestly, we have a super 
uh, majority of uh, Republican representation in um, our both our House and our Senate in, in the State House. Uh, we have very little that we can do. So we need to organize. We need to get together and we need to first elect different people, right? But uh, but in the meantime, we need to really um, utilize all of our resources, um, listen to our community members with events like State of the Latino Community and hear uh, what issues uh, are, are uh, the biggest uh, have have um, like the biggest need and just get to work right there there's so many things like our big issues education labor rights and healthcare that we talked about at the Latino community we need to work we we just we have a lot of work to do right and it's both at the state house level at the local level um, and then seeing candidates talk about national issues too, because they all impact us. So it's almost like, where do you want to dig in? I, I, somebody said, you do so much. There's a lot to do, right? Because um, all of these issues um, impact our everyday lives. And if we don't, um, if we don't keep working on them, you know, uh, we'll get into that place where we're at right now. We're in the super minority and, um, and we just have to keep working. Just keep, keep, keep going. Oh, I think you're muted. Yes, I was muted. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Uh, Hanifa, Natalia emphasizes that we have a lot of work to do. And I know you are anxious as anyone to, to get out there and to start doing it. But there's this enormous hurdle that you have to cross. And I want to try and lay it out right now. So if you secure the Democratic nomination, that means you're going up against Todd Young. Re- relatively young, no pun intended. White, male veteran and he got he got bank in a state where the demographics are 89 percent white nine percent black and about four percent uh hispanic how do you how do you deal, go up against something like that so uh before i answer that question because i don't know if i did this uh when i first uh, began. you touched on it earlier but I want to, to commend both uh, Clarence and William for providing this platform to have these types of conversations. You know, oh, I am sorry. I just uh, was saying that I want to thank both you, William and Clarence, for creating this platform of dialogue. Uh, because Hoosiers sometimes don't have anywhere else to go to hear conversations like this. And so what you're doing is making a difference. Now I'm going to dive into answering the question that you just asked. So you are correct. We have a gentleman here uh, who has managed to raise $7 million. Uh, He spent close to three, which leaves him about $4.5 million cash on hand. And you're not the first person who has asked me, you know, how do you go up against that? This campaign has raised uh, close to $30,000 since uh, starting to fundraise since January. Now, that may not seem uh, like a lot, but we make it stretch uh, because that money, one thing I can say that I am proud of is that every single portion of that money is coming from average working Hoosiers and folks who want to see a difference in their state. I'm actually very proud of it because at the end of the month, I get a report on what, you know, some of these folks that are giving, what their occupation is, and their teachers, their doctors, their lawyers, their RNs, their retired, their waitresses, their servers. There are people who live in this state. 
And one thing I'll say about uh, Todd, you know, is, you know, he's doing what he does. He's raising money, just like any candidate would have to do. But one thing I will say is that, you know, his coming, his money, make no mistake about it, is coming from corporate donors. And with all due respect, it's uh, 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 also we have to keep in mind that it's coming from individuals who some of them, many of them don't even live in this state. And their interests are contrary to that of average working Hoosiers and the American people. So to compare, uh, you know, our campaigns is, is kind of like, you know, comparing two very different things because his focus is, of course, satisfying these individuals who are against any type of legislation uh, that has to do with climate change. They're against uh, putting individuals on a pathway to citizenship. They're against women's rights and they're against so many other things. And they are supported by so many lobbyists uh, as well. So one thing uh, that you know I'm not deterred by, and that is his level of fundraising. I do not think that it should be. It, 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 I don't think that it should be anything that he's proud of, to be quite honest with you. Because, like I said, the money is not coming from individuals who understand uh, the fact that we need somebody in office fighting for a raise in minimum wage. We need someone in office fighting for access to affordable health care. We cannot wait one more minute for someone to neglect legislation on climate change, police reform, gun legislation. These are things that our country needs right now. And so, uh, you know, I wish him all the best. You know, I've seen candidates win races. Maybe they didn't have a lot of money in the bank. I'm reminded of the story of the tortoise and the hare. But you know, you had the hare sitting over there and he fell asleep. He didn't do any work at all because he didn't think, he thought he was so far ahead. He didn't, he, he didn't have to do any work. But you know, that tortoise just kept on moving, kept on moving. And that's how he won. And that's how I see this campaign going down. We're just gonna keep on moving. We're gonna get as many signatures as we can to get on the ballot. We're gonna raise as much money as we can. And uh, we're gonna do our best to win. And that's all I can tell you. You know, uh, you know, Hanif, it sounds like you snuck a sermon in there in that response. Uh, <laughs> I want to I want to piggyback on something that Wayne said when you talk about obstacles and challenges that are going forward here with with primary election day on Tuesday, May 3rd of 2022. Your task with acquiring 500 registered voters signatures from each of Indiana's nine congressional districts in order to make it on the primary ballot. And how is that effort progressing, or have you surpassed that, or where are you right now in that? You know, I am fortunate, and I will say that this campaign is so fortunate, to have people on the ground in all the districts uh, helping towards this goal. And maybe they believe in me, they just want to help me, or maybe they just believe in equal access to the ballot, and they want to help everybody. And so they're working to get these signatures. These signatures are being reported back to the campaign. We're not doing uh, uh, so bad. We're doing good. We're doing very good. In fact, uh, I believe in the last report that I received from the team is that we're over halfway towards uh, our model and where we want to be. And so I just want to reiterate that that would not be possible without people on the ground. Listen, you can have as much money as you want in the bank. You can have as much big recognition as you want and all that stuff. But if you don't have people on the ground who believe in the Constitution, 
If you don't have people on the ground who believe in your campaign, you're not going to get the help that you need. Well, I guess you could pay for it, but that's not going to put that's not going to put you or individuals who believe in you in front of people who want to support you. I can, you know, you have some candidates who will pay a company to get these signatures. But guess what? Uh, they're missing out because there are Hoosiers all over the state who would love to be able to talk to the candidate that they're signing for. They would like to know more. They would like to know someone who knows that candidate that can talk about them, that can talk about their experience. And so a lot of times candidates will do that and then they wonder later why they lose. Yeah, you got the signatures, but you lost the election because you did not do the work that Natalia talked about at the beginning of this, uh, this uh, broadcast here. Uh, she talked about candidates getting out and doing the work. This campaign has been to over 70 counties. I can't even believe it. I can't even believe it. And I know there's 92, but over 70, I mean, my, when did that happen? <laughs> I said, and I wonder, when did that happen? Must have been one of these evenings or weekends because that's when I get out. That's when I have to get out. You know, I'm at, I work too. So. Well, I, um, I have a final question because we have about four minutes left. And I want you both to sort of, um, in the in the remaining minutes, just sort of sum up your your uh, positions on some things. Uh, Natalia, as you were inspired by Liz Watson, I mean, you worked on her campaign, and uh, and as uh, Hanifa just you know articulated, it took a lot of work. It takes a lot of work. Now, were you inspired enough by Liz Watson to likewise aspire for elected office in Indiana or nationally? You, you kind of gave the safe response about, well, I want to work for the party. I want to make sure. Natalia. <laughs> so do you do you have aspirations now? Uh, what's going on now? <laughs> yeah, no, that, uh, thank you for the question. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm always flattered when I hear that question, but honestly, I'm like, it, with that, like, that very long answer I gave earlier, there's just so many issues, right? There's so many issues to work on and there's so much work to do in Indiana that, um, I'm like that. That's that's honestly my answer. How do we strengthen um, the party both locally in our district and then statewide? Right. Because there are candidates that are amazing, like we have here uh, that need that infrastructure. Right. I I talked to um, so many people earlier. I think I talked to William. You know, it's like we continue to reinvent the wheel sometimes. Right. Where it's like we need those people to. Um, to take those building blocks and create something and so that candidates have something to come back to so that we don't have to continue to reinvent the wheel. So I'm, I'm really committed to that work. I really feel like um, there's a lot to do with students here in, locally in Bloomington. I think that um, that excites me the most, talking to students and like understanding how uh, things that they kind of, um, uh, like I, I play a game. I'm like, anything you uh, mention uh, I can make that a local issue, right? Anything that you yeah. want to complain about, I can usually make a, a, it a local issue. So there's just so much work to do that it, that excites me and inspires me. That, that's my answer. Okay. In other words, we need to get you back on a little bit later to to get to the heart of my answer that I'm, that I'm waiting to hear. Now, Anifa, we have about two minutes. Um, what do you want people to learn about you that that we've not talked about? And again, we have, if you want to give me a 90-second response, because then we have to wrap up the whole conversation. Excellent. Well, again, uh, I just want to thank you all for the opportunity for coming on and, of course, being here uh, on with Natalia as well. 
you know, I think uh, to wrap things up, I just want people to know that uh, the individual you see here is not a career politician. I am a real political outsider. You know, some people say they're starting a grassroots campaign and they got $100,000. This is a real grassroots campaign. There's no $100,000 anywhere that I can find, okay? What you see coming together here is really on behalf of the people, for the people. Um, and that's the type of energy that I'm taking to the Senate. And you can guarantee that now and forever. Right. And I do want to add, too, that uh, William, I believe that Hanifa will be speaking to the Black Caucus uh, next week. Next Thursday at 6 p.m. Uh, if you want the Zoom link, you could email mcblackdems at gmail.com. All right. So on that note, we want to thank Hanifa Khalid, candidate for United States Senate, and Natalia Galvin, chair of the Indiana 9th Congressional District Latino Caucus, for joining us to talk about upcoming political races and current event issues of importance for our listening audience. Now, to learn more about these two ladies, visit Hanifa Khalid, and I'll spell that H-A-N-E-E-F-A-H-K-H-A-A-L-I-Q.org and HoosierWomenForward.org slash team slash Natalia hyphen Galvin. That's N-A-T-A-L-I-A hyphen G-A-L-V-A-N. And I don't need to spell anything out on this next uh, thing. Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have any ideas for this program, we would love to hear what they are. Please send your emails to our volunteer staff. The address is bringiton at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share any and everything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. Once again, that email address, bringiton at wfhb.org. Also, if you have an event or happening the African-American community should know about, please send the info directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you want additional information about our calendar items that we may have mentioned, you know the upcoming speech to the Black uh, Caucus next week, contact us at Bring It On at WFHB.org. Our show's executive producer is Clarence Boone, assistant producer is Jura Shruley, consultant and WFHB News Department director is Cade Young. Our program engineer is Chantal LaFontaine. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effiam with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Clarence Boone. Be sure to tune in next Monday at 6 p.m. for another edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.